Good morning, church. Uh, welcome again on August 16th, this Sunday. Uh, we are, again, just so pleased to have you here with us this morning uh, to join you and for you to join us in worshiping our God, Jesus Christ, who is alive today in you and in me. Um, we have, a, again, a, just a great time together this morning. Reed Jolly is back, which we're all very excited about, just to continue uh, his teaching in Ephesians 4, um, which was so, so moving last week, and I'm sure we're just going to have a wonderful time in the Word today. Um, before I pray, I just wanted to share something personal with all of you. Um, just over the last four to five weeks, uh, Kathy and I have just had a couple of back-to-back really challenging events that have taken place in our lives. And, um, and honestly, it's been quite hard. It's been very difficult. And I have found myself uh, over these last four to five weeks really, really pressed in my spirit and in my life to Jesus. And sometimes it's not been easy, and I have been to the point several times where I am just kind of hanging on, and I don't know where things are going, and I don't know how things are going to turn out. But the Lord has given Kathy and I the grace in these uh, couple of times in this past month or so to, to turn to him, to cling to him, to hang on to him, to call out his name, and to reach out to our brothers and sisters and those that know us and that we love and have them pray for us. And the Lord has been so faithful. I, I can't tell you how much the Lord has intervened in our circumstances, has heard prayer, has answered, has done miraculous things to just deal with the situations that we were in. And, and I'm telling you this this morning because I'm sure that some of you are feeling that way right now, that you are feeling in a hard place, in a place where you are perhaps even just hanging on this morning. And I want to tell you from my own experience this past month that the Lord loves you. The Lord knows where you're at. The Lord hears your cries and hears your prayers. So I just encourage you to turn with everything you have, even if it's just a little bit, Turn to Jesus, hang on to him, call out to him, and call on those that you love. Call on those, your brothers and sisters, to support you and to love you and to pray for you. So I just want to give thanks and honor and glory to Jesus because he is more than worthy of it. So before we move into worship, would you just join me in praying for our time together this morning? Father, I, I come to you with all my heart this morning, Lord. And I thank you, I thank you so much for your love, for your faithfulness, for your graciousness, for your power. I thank you that you have heard my cries. I thank you that you hear the cries of people who are crying out to you right now, Lord. You are God, you are faithful, you are, you are our Father. Abba, Father, my Dad, you are my Father, you are our Father. So, Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit, come and be with us today. Would you fill each of us right now? Would you open our hearts? Would you open our eyes? Would you give us ears to hear your word, ears to hear your speaking of love to us, Lord? So we just give you our hearts. We give you everything that we are. We open ourselves to worship, to teaching, to just this moving of your spirit in our lives. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen.
Good morning, church family. It's our offering time again, and what a different set of circumstances over the last 22 weeks that we've been away from our church's home here at the well. As I look out uh, at a camera and a handful of my closest friends, it is uh, so rewarding to know that this message and our church service is reaching so many more people today than we did within the confines of this building 22 weeks ago. Um, Your giving has been faithful. Your giving has been steady. I want to remind everybody that we still take mail at 1290 Grand, Ojai. We have a mail slot in the door out front many of you are taking advantage of. And of course, we've got online giving available through our church app and through the website. And it has been utilized greatly. Um, Just want to thank everybody again for your faithfulness and your continuing as the kingdom work continues here. Let's pray for the giving. Father, we, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for what you put through your Holy Spirit on the minds of the church family, Lord, that they're so obedient to continue to give for your kingdom purposes. So many things that we uh, are able to continue and new things that we're able to do, Lord, because of the faithfulness of your, of your uh, believers, Lord. We just ask that, that, that you would continue to bless them, those that are struggling, out of work, uncertainty, life in general. We ask that they would continue to reach out for prayer through the means that we have, take advantage of the offerings that we have to to gather online and uh, in person from time to time. And we just ask that you would continue to bless them in these things. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning. This morning for our scripture reading, we will be reading out of Psalm 34. Verses 1 through 3, and I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. All right, let's begin. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Let's worship.
Well, good morning, church family. I uh, hope you guys are doing well this morning. And uh, that video that we just played was actually from our Wednesday gathering that we had just last week. And to all of us that were there, uh, there was think maybe 17 of us, we just want to say hi to you this morning. And just a reminder, uh, Tyler did mention this uh, last week, uh, we encourage you guys to send in uh, you know, photos, videos of you guys saying hi. Uh, you don't really have to say anything. Uh, and, you know, we know that's kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but we just want to get your guys' faces out here so we can all see each other and have, you know, uh, enjoyable meet and greet time. So that is what we're going to do right now, and we just encourage you again, get your cell phones out and, you know, just say hi to someone this morning. Bless someone uh, with some, some scripture or just saying hi. So we're going to do that right now, and we'll turn it over to Tyler for some announcements. Thank you, Jordan, and good morning, church. Um, I want to let you know, during announcements, my phone keeps buzzing off and on, which is, I appreciate everybody that's saying hi. Thank you very much. And I do love and miss you. And I got to tell you a story, because last week during the sermon, not that you were distracted, but I got a bunch of great comments saying that, you know, God was speaking through Reed and thank you and stuff. So thank you, Reed, for that. I mean, it was pretty cool. And I love that relationship that we have together, because we are family here. And I just want to thank you for all the encouraging um, texts that we're getting. Um, and a little praise report. Last Wednesday was off the hook. It was so wonderful. We just praised God together. We worshiped together. Um, Jordan shared a little Devo. Then he just blew it out of the park with the, the worship. It was just a great time together, and we fellowship. But we are going to have another one. We're not announcing the date yet because of this heat wave. I hope everyone's staying cool because it has been pretty warm, you have to agree. So... We are going to try to do it every other Wednesday, weather permitting, but please come and join us next time. It's going to be the same. We're going to register online, and we're not putting a limit on it. I heard a couple people say, well, I didn't sign up this time because I wanted to give other people a chance to come. Nope, you don't have to do that. We can accommodate as many people. I can't say as many, not hundreds, but you know, the amount of people that will probably come on a Wednesday evening, we will accommodate you. So come, please come and join us. So now we are getting ready for Kingdom Kids. So let's see what Kingdom Kids and AKA Marge has to say. joining us for Kingdom Kids News. I'm Marge, and let me tell you, we have some breaking news. God desires for us to call him anytime. Isn't that correct? Yes, it is. I'm only here in the studio by myself, so I'm going to answer myself, but I know you answered that out there. So we have found out some interesting information. Actually, it's amazing information, and you're going to love this. We have found out God's phone number. Yeah, that's right. God's phone number. Breaking news. And we are here to give this phone number to you. And God has given us permission. He said, yeah, give out my phone number. I want to hear from everybody. So are you ready for this? Okay, get ready to write this down. All right, here we go. I am so excited. Okay, we've heard that before. Are you ready? Okay. The number for God is J-E-S-U-S. -S. What does that spell? 
let me tell you. Why does he have that phone number? Well, let me tell you why. First of all, this is a phone. We decide to call people on the phone and we think, oh, well, maybe it's too early, maybe it's too late. Oh, I don't know their number. Maybe we want to order pizza. Oh, it's busy. I can't get through. No one's answering. I want to call my friend. I want to call my family. But did you know that you can call and talk and have a conversation with God anytime, anywhere, all day, all night, anytime? That is amazing. You can be anywhere. You can be excited about something. Oh, I did this today, God. Thank you so much. God, I'm really sad because my frog, Freddy, jumped away and I don't know where he went. I think he jumped in my mom's hair. I don't know, but I can't tell her, Lord, please tell me what I'm supposed to do. That can happen, and it has. Or you can pray about, I'm really sad because I'm worried about someone being hurt. You can pray for anything. God wants you to have a conversation with him. And did you know that in Romans 10, 12 through 13, God says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who calls upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. God's number is Jesus. And you know why I know, and this is proof. Listen to this. Just like when you call random numbers, we just can't talk to any random number and reach God. But Jesus had said to, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no way to call upon God except through Jesus Christ, his son. So why don't you come on over to Kingdom Kids Online and check out all the wonderful and awesome and fun ways that you can learn and see how to have a conversation with God. It's so much fun, and it's not scary. It's amazing. It's just like talking to one of your friends, your mom, dad, anybody. And God wants to hear from you. All right, well, that's it. It's time for the weather, and they're yelling at me in the other department, so I better go. But let me tell you this. You have a great week. Remember to pray. Pray without ceasing. And we'll talk to you later. See you at Kingdom Kids Online. Bye. seconds no I'm just kidding uh, here we are <laughs> uh, I am Reed Jolly again and uh, I'm just thankful to be here I want I want to thank you for letting me come and you had nothing to do with it but Mark and the elders and Richie thank you thank you for trusting me with your pulpit and thank you for letting me teach one of my my favorite sections of one of my favorite books of the Bible uh, it's just great uh, so let me ask a question as we get started uh, it is, we're just a little bit past the halfway point of 2020. Um, how would you characterize this era in American life? What's it like to be alive in August of 2020? I don't know what you would say. I would say we are full of fear, full of questions, full of doubt. We're full of loneliness. We're cooped up. We're sick of the word sequestration. We didn't even know that word a while back. Uh, social distancing, who ever heard of that? 
uh, face masks. Who likes wearing those? But I would also say our time before COVID-19 and during and after is a time of chronic immaturity. Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska, wrote a book called The Vanishing American Adult. And he said, basically, it's really hard to find adults. We, we are a, a nation in perpetual adolescence. Kurt Vonnegut Jr., a novelist from the mid to late 20th century, very popular among college kids in the 70s, uh, he said, uh, maturity is a bitter disappointment for which no remedy exists. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really carried the day. We hate maturity. A, a generation earlier, F. Scott Fitzgerald of The Great Gatsby said, uh, being a grown-up is a terribly hard thing to do. It's much easier to skip it and go from one childhood to the next. <laughs> we, we live in the musical, the Peter Pan syndrome. I won't grow up. I'm not going to wear a tie. I won't grow up. I'm not even going to try. Uh, we are, by and large, a culture, a society, and individuals who, who are committed to immaturity. Now, what is true of individuals, and maybe might be broadly true of our society, can also be true of churches. Churches can become mature, fully responsible, grown up, or, it doesn't matter how big the church is, by the way, or how, much, how large their budget is, churches can remain in what I would call a perpetual adolescent cycle, where they ride the Ferris wheel from one trend to another always looking for the latest, the biggest, the most exciting technology, but they never grow up. That is not new to our era. It goes all the way back to the New Testament. Remember the book of Hebrews, where the writer says to the, the Hebrew church, about this we have much more to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. So we're coming to a mid-sentence, really, a passage that we began last week in Ephesians chapter 4. I hope your Bibles are open wherever you are, uh, but let's pick it up at verse 11 of chapter 4, and we looked at this last week, and we're going to go into the next uh, sentences. And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers... He gave them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by, about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. In our passage this week, the apostle addresses the church in Ephesus, and he addresses the well in Ojai, 
And he calls them and he calls us to a deeper maturity. Now, you know well by this point that the first three chapters of Ephesians are doctrinal, and Paul is talking about what God has done in Christ. And then that first word in chapter 4, therefore, Paul begins to play out the implications of all the doctrine. Marvelous book. So last week, we looked at a simple little sentence that God gives gifted people to enable his people to use their gifts. God gives gifted people to enable his people to use their gifts. This week, really mid-sentence, we're going to move on and see this main point, that the purpose of God's gifts is that the well become, becomes a perfect church. I'll say that again. The purpose of God's gift is that the well, this church, becomes a perfect church. You probably think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. The exercise of the gifts that God has given us, one with another, leads to perfection in church life. And when we put our gifts to practice together as a church, we become a mature church. Now, we, I love the fact that the well uses the ESV. That's my translation of choice. But uh, if you were reading this in the uh, NIV, it would say that the goal is to become mature. But look at verse 13 in your ESV. Paul says the goal is what? Mature manhood. Now, that word for maturity in the Greek text is teleos, which means, and here you're, here you're going to get it, that word means perfect. Or we can dumb it down a little bit. It means mature. It means to reach one's designated potential. So, a perfect cow produces milk, right? A perfect dog gets the newspaper in the morning, if you still take a newspaper. The perfect husband washes the dishes. The perfect cat, well, there is no perfect cat. We won't worry about that one. <laughs> Literally, the Greek text says in verse 13 that we would become a mature male. Uh, I know some people are offended by this, but, but let's ask a question. In the first century, why would Paul have written like that? Well, in a Greek culture, uh, a fully formed male was kind of the ideal of beauty. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Amen. Also, in, in the Greek language, a male almost always referred to a grown-up. So when Paul says a mature male, he's, he's adding emphasis. He's saying the same thing twice. So picture yourself in the British Museum, perhaps, and you go see one of those beautiful statues that the Brits took from Greece and put in their own museum, and you see this male, maybe with a javelin and just this giant hunk of marble and, and just this beautifully sculpted male. Paul takes that picture of this mature male and says, guess what? Your church can be like that. Fully formed, grown up, mature. That, that's at the heart of this passage, that, that there's a call for the church to grow up. Not to grow big, but to grow up. Now what follows and what we're going to look at are three marks of this maturity. A commitment to biblical truth, verse 14. A growing love for Christ, verse 15 and a, growing, a community growing in love, verse 16. Well, let's look at these. 
A mature, a perfect church moves toward a deep commitment to biblical truth. Verse 14. Now, we got to get this in context, and we looked at it last week, but the foundational gifts for the church are the apostles and prophets, the evangelists, we, we, we wonder a little bit, are, are those missionaries, the people that take the gospel to unbreached people groups, we, we can't quite be sure, but God gives these gifts to the church for the building up of the church, but then there's that fourth gift, it's one person, shepherd teacher, Okay? The shepherd teacher is given to enable God's people to use their gifts. In verse 13 again, this will produce a church that is a replica of mature manhood. Now, <clears throat> Paul reinforces this by grounding, tell, telling us that if we ground ourselves in biblical truth, he tells us what we will not be. If we grow up, that's the way this verse goes. Verse 14, he says, we will not be like a child. It's mixed metaphors. You know what a metaphor is? It's a word picture. He sleeps like a rock. He eats like a pig. You know, those are kind of word pictures. Well, Paul has some negative images. If you grow as a church into maturity, you won't, (laughs) boy, he mixes the metaphors. You won't be like a child in a boat. In the surf, driven by the wind, and then the last metaphor is a gambling metaphor, cheating at gambling. Now, we're not going to unpack those at length, but what Paul is throwing these metaphors together, he's saying the mature church will not be marked by instability, by fickleness, by constant wavering, by drifting, by rootlessness. Rather, the mature church makes a priority of studying God's Word. The mature church pays attention to the shepherd teachers. Now, we learn a lot here. Shepherd teacher, one one gift. So, Richie's job and the, the job of the elders is primarily to shepherd the church. That tells you what they're to do. Teaching is the primary means by which they do it. Teaching grounds us in the truth. I would commend a book to you by Jonathan Lehman. It's called The Word-Centered Church. And he says this, and just think about the churches that you know of in our time. He says, you can build a church around generational tastes in music and decor, around ethnicity, around a choir program, around a denominational identity. around opportunities for young mothers, or a lively singles program, or even the personality of the preacher. And often, building your church around these things will produce immediate, visible results, and it will require very little patience. And he writes this whole book saying, no, we need to build our church on the Word of God. Our church should be built on the voice of Jesus. You remember what Jesus said in John 10? My sheep hear my voice. And the voice of Christ is found in the scriptures. It's his book. So Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he says to Timothy, Hey, until I come, Timothy's probably in Ephesus, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. This is the way a shepherd shepherds. 
Some churches go here and there. They're always looking for the newest thing. Other churches take their cue from the world and try to respond to the world at every juncture. But a mature church saturates herself in God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. What, a, what an image. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And if you want to look broadly at the American church and what's going on, this isn't too far off as a description. The church of our time is afflicted by a thousand heresies, not from without, but from within. New Age thinking, an overemphasis on psychotherapy, an emphasis on right-wing politics, or an emphasis on left-wing politics. It's imperative, well, the well, that we be tethered to the church, that we both understand the Bible and understand how it speaks to our own cultural moment. Otherwise, we will drift like those children in this passage on the waves of the sea. I am a surfer. I still am a surfer. I have a little boat, own it with a couple of people. It's 11 and a half feet long. I like to call it a yacht. It has a fiberglass hull, a 20 horsepower Yamaha outboard engine or motor, I'm not sure which. And we use it for one purpose, one purpose only. We go surfing up at Hollister Ranch. And, you know, when 101 goes north and it turns inland, the only way to get in there is either to have a whole lot of money and own property in there, or you can have a little money and get a little boat. And surfers like to go surfing when there is what? Surf. Yeah, you've got to have surf to surf. And generally, what comes with the surf, especially up there, is wind, a lot of wind, and it's offshore, which makes the surf even better. But it's really scary, <laughs> because if something goes wrong, you're going to end up you know, in China in about a week. You know, it's, it's pretty scary at times. But we, we motor in and usually go about four or five miles, and we find our surf spot, and it's not that scary. We, and, and when you fight off the sharks and the pirates and stuff like that, and, and, uh, and you put the anchor down. We have a little anchor. It's about that big and weighs probably three pounds, four pounds. I don't know. And the anchor then has about 10 feet of chain, and that chain sets the anchor on the sand, and when the wind blows the boat, the anchor digs in deeper and deeper, more deeply and more deeply, and the boat is secure. Church, there's a lot of wind out there. And our anchor is the word of God. That will keep us stable, steady. That's what a mature church gravitates toward. A, a perfect church, a mature church, will move toward a deep commitment to God's truth. Secondly, a growing love for Christ. This is so important. There are churches out there, churches near here. And I'm not thinking of any church in particular, but I know there will be churches here that think the sum total of the Christian life is just how many Bible verses you can know and how, and how well-versed you are in the Scriptures. As important as that is, that is but a means to an end. Maturity is not just about how well we know the Bible how many study Bibles we own, how conversant we are with the Old Testament book of Hezekiah. It's very possible to be well-versed in the Bible and miss the point entirely. 
In my backyard, I have a little office, 20 by 12, and I've got a lot of books in there. I have commentaries. I have one on the book of Ephesians. It's a good commentary. The author doesn't know Christ. He's a good scholar. He knows a lot more than any of us will ever know, but he doesn't love Jesus. In verse 13, look back to that. Our maturity is to grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now look at verse 15 from our passage. To grow up into every, uh, excuse me, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. The scriptures are not an end in themselves. They point us toward a loving, warm, relational intimacy with our Savior. So I was a pastor for a long time at Santa Barbara Community Church. Enjoyed it immensely. There was a man who came, and he came and came and came for about two years. Smart man. Very intelligent. He, he was an attorney, a successful attorney, and got sick of it. Picture this. He got sick of being an attorney, so he became a doctor. <laughs> I went to junior college, but, but uh, he, he became a doctor, and he's a well-known oncologist now. And as he attended services, he understood the gospel. But it was all out there. It was head knowledge. And he started to understand the Bible. And one day, he came in. He gave his life to Christ, and, and it, everything changed. His call was not just to learn about a book, but to come into a relationship with a man and to worship him. The Apostle Paul, in Philippians, he chronicles all of the things he's proud of, and he's got a lot to be proud of. <laughs> he says, I circumcised the eighth day, tribe of Benjamin, and Israelite of Israel, I, you know, I was, a, I was a Pharisee, legalistically righteous. He says, I counted it loss for the sake of Christ, Philippians chapter 3. He says, listen, he says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's writing that from prison. And he says, it's worth it. Not because I know stuff, and he really is the theologian of the New Testament. It's worth it because I know Jesus. Let me ask you, what is the well known for in Ojai? I'm, I'm just guessing. I, I would think you're known for a lot of things. Probably most of them are really good. Great people involved in ministry. You're probably making this community a little bit better. You're probably known for your unity as a church. But let it be the goal that you would be known as a people who loves Jesus and who knows that you are loved by Jesus. So, remember the main point today is that the purpose of God's gift is that the well become a perfect church, a mature church. That is going to mean that we move toward a deep, Commitment to biblical truth. It's going to mean that we're always growing in our love for Christ. But look at verse 16. Thirdly, we will be a community growing in love with each other. Is that cool? Now, you are a church that uses the ESV. I am a preacher and a Christian who 
loves the ESV. Uh, it's a very good translation. And one, one t- every translation has its shortcomings. And once in a while, the shortcoming in the ESV is a tortured sentence. You ever notice that? And, and what we have at the end of our section is a tortured sentence. So I'm going to respectfully move us over to another translation, which you can see on your screen. This is the Christian Standard Bible. It's uh, formerly known as the Holman Standard Bible. It's a great translation, a little bit more interpretive than the ESV. But I just, instead of wrestling with the text in, in the ESV, I thought, let's just go to one that makes it a little more clear. Here's the last verse. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, the whole body promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now, in that verse, you can see the parenthetical clause between the commas. So let's take that out, and let's look at the verse again without the parenthetical clause. This just makes it even more clear. From him, the whole body promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Have you ever heard of Egoscue? Egoscue is like Pilates. Have you ever heard of Pilates? It's like Pilates, but it's Egoscue. And I, I've had some back problems. Our own Mark Bodycomb has had some back problems right now. And, and uh, there's a woman, a friend of mine named Lisa Wilcox, and she's an Egoscue instructor. And she says, our brains will get us to, it, what we want to get done, we will do. Because we have the, our strong muscles. So if you're playing tennis, your brain will make you do it, and you lurch forward. Your brain will, will make your, your muscles fire. Is, but you, every muscle has a corresponding counterpart. And Agoscu is training you to strengthen those counterpart muscles that you don't always need. And thus you can improve your posture and cure your back problems, and even your finances will get better. I, I, I think everything is good. <laughs> Paul is saying something very profound at the end of this section. He's saying that you are indispensable for the life of the church. Isn't that what the verse says? Look at it again. From him, the whole body promotes the growth of the body. I mean, how would you have written this verse? I wouldn't have written it like this. If God said, why don't you write that last verse? I would have said something like, okay, we got all this truth, therefore... Get yourself in order, pray every morning, read your Bible, draw near to God, and be sanctified. That's what I would have said. Paul doesn't say that. He says something that ought to just blow our minds. He says the whole body promotes the growth of the whole body. Those back muscles are in, as important as the ones in the front. The body promotes the growth of the body. The whole church is required for the spiritual growth of the whole church. There are no dispensable parts in the body of Christ. Know that. Now, we have to be careful here, lest we take this verse and become heretics. On the one side, all Christian maturity, all growth in our lives is linked directly to Christ. Everything comes from Him and through Him and for Him. But here is a corresponding, I think, shocking truth. 
Paul puts forward here that you also are responsible for my growth, and in some sense, I am responsible for your growth, for your maturity. Church, you are responsible for one another, and if you let down, well, the church is going to have back problems. Hear this. The Christian life is not a solitary journey. It's not about you and your Bible and a cup of coffee in the morning. It's, that's way too easy. No, no. The church, if, if it's going to be a, a perfect church, a mature church, well, think about it. If you're going to grow with regard to your muscles, you have to go do something. You have to go to the weight room. You need some resistance, and you're, you break your muscles down, and they build back up, and you're a little bit bigger and, and a little bit more fit, and it takes a long time to, to, to look like one of these muscle guys. Not that you want to, but it takes a while. So also in the church, there's a need for, for community resistance. If you want muscular fitness, you train in the weight room. If you want to grow in Christ, you train with other disciples. You need their gifts. You, you need their quirks. Do you have any quirky people in the well? Yeah. Well, how many are there here? There are five, six of us. <laughs> we need each other. We need to laugh with others. We need to cry with others. We need to help each other raise our kids and our grandkids. We need to help the widow when she's lost her husband. We need to help our friend when, when her mother dies. We need the gifts of encouragement. By the way, isn't this one of the great reasons we're longing for this virus to be done? We are not really together right now. Mark got up here and said, thanks, we're all together. We're not. But we will be. We will be. And that's what we're looking forward to. We need hugs. We need smiles. We need raised eyebrows. We need hurt feelings. We need forgiveness. We need dinners together. We need so much that cannot be gleaned from watching a service on our iPhone, which doesn't mean we shouldn't watch. It just means that we need more, and we're looking forward to that. Now, look at the last part of verse 16. The body builds itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. You see the point? The whole body causes the growth of the whole body. And I'll just say it again. If you're part of this church, the rest of your church needs you. And you need the rest of your church. The purpose of God's gifts is that the well become, becomes a perfect church, a mature church. The whole church causes the growth of the whole church. Your elders cannot do this for you. Wow. Are you ready for that? Do you see just, just a little bit how indispensable you are to the whole? Now, I'm going to end with three negative pieces of advice for you. How's that? <laughs> Great way to end a sermon. I can, let me tell you what not to do. Number one, when this virus is over, don't go to church. Don't go. I, I think one of the biggest problems in the American church is that we go there. 
What church does she go to? What church does he go to? Well, he used to go here, but now he goes here. You can't go to church. We can only be the church. So when this virus is over, don't go to church. Continue to be the church. Second, so important, don't idealize your church. I got to be a pastor of a church with, for decades with a ton of single people, and many of them wanted to get married, and they didn't because the perfect guy or the perfect gal had not yet come along. And there's a word for people like that. They're, they are single. So also with the church, I've known people that shop and shop and shop because there's something wrong over here with this one and a little something wrong over here with that one. And, and oh boy, that one is not really, uh. stop it. Don't idealize the church. Don't idealize the well. The well is full of people, I'm sorry, like you and like me. Imperfect people that God is working on, get over it and be a part of the body of Christ. Don't idealize the church. Third, don't date your church. Coming to know Christ will limit our freedom. And we marry the bride of Christ. We come into relationship with God's people. And so many people want to hold the church at arm's length. Don't date your church. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, bless your church and bless this church. Amen. Really a powerful and timely message for all of us. Um, we're going to move into a time as we do each week uh, to take communion. Um, if you've had an opportunity before right now to get the elements and be prepared to do that, that's great. If you want to just... Go right now and get whatever you need. That's fine. Uh, uh, Vinny's going to play some music, and we're going to have an opportunity to take communion during uh, this upcoming worship song. And I really encourage you just to, to come to the Lord over what Reed just said about this love that we have for the Scripture, this love that we have for Jesus, and this love that we have for one another. It is the death and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus that makes all of those things possible, that makes you and I the church. So come to him through communion, remember him, bless the Lord, and be thankful for what we have. So enjoy communion during this period of worship.
so much for joining us today and and it really is because he lives because Jesus is alive right now that we are who we are we are blessed to be his body we are blessed to have scripture we are blessed to have a deepening love for him and we are blessed to have a deepening love for one another um, if there is something, again, we say every week, if there's anything that we can pray for you about, uh, pray with you about, please let us know. You can reach out through the church website, the church app. You can reach out directly to any elder or, frankly, anyone in the church. Like Reed said, every single part. There is no indispensable person in this church. Reach out to anyone and ask them to just come alongside you and pray with you and pray for you if that's something that you need right now. So we look forward to when we're all back here in this building and we get to wander into the commons and outside and, like Reed said, hug and have donuts and do things and just be part of enjoying loving one another. But we're not there yet and we look forward to that day. And I just want to leave you today with a couple of verses out of Hebrews uh, chapter 13. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant... He brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd 
of the sheep. May that God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So thank you for joining us today, and we really do hope you have a blessed and a wonderful week. God bless you.